Welcome to Grace and Glory, the radio ministry of Grace Valley Christian Center, featuring biblical teachings of the Christian faith with Pastor P.G. Matthew, Bible teacher and former professor in Greek and theology. Pastor Matthew holds degrees from Westminster Theological Seminary, and he pastors Grace Valley Christian Center in Davis, California, adjacent to the University of California at Davis. Today, we begin a new series by Pastor Matthew on the book of the Acts of the Apostles. Today, Pastor Matthew shares with us from Acts chapter 1 with part 1 of Mandate of the Master. Now, here's our teacher, Pastor Matthew. We must be ashamed as Christians as we examine the mountains of words we speak on a daily basis, weekly basis, yearly basis. And when we examine, we will notice that we are almost silent in terms of declaring his praises, not in the church, but in the world. We ought to be confessing our sins to God Almighty. And we ought to determine and purpose before God today that until the day we die, we will speak the name of Jesus. That is the Master's mandate. The final word the Lord Jesus Christ gave to the church is to declare the kingdom of God. And I would say that God would forgive us our sins and he will enable us in the power of the Spirit without fear of the world and fear of the devil to speak about Jesus Christ. So we want to introduce to you the book of Acts The first 11 verses, mandate of the master. Nowhere in the gospel of Luke or in the Acts of the Apostles, the author's name is found. Of course, this is also true in reference to all the gospels. The traditional view is that Luke, the physician, the companion of St. Paul, is the author of these two volumes, Luke and Acts. There are also external evidence concerning Luke and authorship of Luke Acts. Irenaeus, the second century bishop, so stated it. The so-called Muratorian canon specifically speaks about Luke's authorship. In the prologue to the anti-Marcionite gospel of Luke mentions Luke and authorship. Clement of Alexandria stated it. Origen, Tertullian, Eusebius, as well as Jerome, They all believed the authorship of Luke and Acts, that is, Luke wrote them. But there are also internal evidence when you study Luke-Acts. 
When you read the introductions to both Luke and Acts, you find these two books are linked as they are dedicated to one Theophilus. And when you read the book of Acts, verse 1, we read, I wrote, it says. There is an I who wrote. And when you come to the 16th chapter of the book of Acts, we are introduced to a section theologians call we section. Begins in the 16th chapter and goes on to the end of the book of Acts. And when you look at the style of the first 15 chapters of the book of Acts and the style of the 16 through 28, you find the style is the same, generally speaking. And also the style of Luke as well as Acts is generally the same. But let me tell you, in the we section, what we are told or what we should conclude from the we section is that this person was a companion of Paul in his second missionary journey, third missionary journey, and also this person traveled with St. Paul from Caesarea to Rome and he was with him in Rome. So, who is then this person who traveled with St. Paul? One of the companions. Of course, there are several companions, close companions of St. Paul, like Titus and Timothy and Crescens and Demas and, and people like that. But when you study these companions, we can conclude that of all of them, the most likely candidate who authored Acts was Luke. And so we agree with the traditional view that Luke is the author. And we read about Luke in Colossians chapter 4, verse 14, and Philemon, verse 24, and 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 11. And we have some external source which tells us that this Luke was from Syrian Antioch. That he never married and that he died at the age of 84, that he was a companion of St. Paul. And we could tell from the New Testament that he was a Gentile convert, a physician. And you study Luke and Acts, you will see a precise medical words used by this author. We will see that he is highly educated. And he was a co-worker of Paul and an admirer of Paul. Let me tell you, Luke acts together account for 25% of the New Testament. The longest book in the New Testament is Luke. And the second longest book is Acts. They are written in sophisticated Greek language. Acts of the Apostles is the only source in the entire Bible 
for us, for the history of the early church. We have four gospels, but we only have one book of Acts. Source book for the early church history. And Luke wrote history in the tradition of Thucydides and Polybius. He got his facts right. And people studied the book of Acts, studying the names of cities and places and names of Roman officials. And you notice Luke got it right. He got his facts right. He researched well. He used probably written sources. He interviewed eyewitnesses. And he used, no doubt, his own travel documents. And we are told that he wrote the two volumes, Luke and Acts, about 70 feet of papyrus scroll he used to write these two books. He wrote these two volumes to Mr. Theophilus, friend of God or dear to God, for the purpose that he may have certainty concerning the facts of Christian origins and the expansion of the church of Jesus Christ. In other words, it was Luke's way of witnessing to the cultured class of his day. Mr. Theophilus was in all probability a new Gentile convert, a highly educated Roman official of high rank like Felix and Festus because Theophilus was addressed by this adjective, kratistos, most excellent, your excellency, a word used to refer Felix and Festus. And we are told that the first account that Luke wrote, having reference to the gospel, he wrote concerning the things that Jesus Christ began to do and to teach until the day of his ascension. The implication being that the book of Acts records what Jesus continued to do and teach from heaven. Now let me tell you, Jesus still continues to do and teach this work of the building of the church is not finished yet. Acts of Jesus continued through the apostles in the power of the Holy Spirit and now continues through all believers in Jesus Christ in the might of the Holy Spirit whom he still pours out upon us. Let me tell you, you and I are being used by the Lord Jesus Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit for the expansion of his kingdom. And that is something we should be happy about. The mandate of the master. Let's look at who this master is. And therefore we can respond to the mandate to the order, to the command that this master gave us. 
the expansion of Christianity is inextricably linked to Jesus Christ. Every other religion can exist without the founder. But Christianity cannot exist without Jesus Christ. His virgin birth, his teachings, his miracles, his death, his resurrection, his ascension, his session as the Lord of the universe, and his coming again as the judge of all. He told his apostles how he would be arrested and crucified, and yet on the third day that he would be raised, and so it happened. The hope of his followers were dashed through unbelief when Jesus was crucified, but they were later convinced of his resurrection. Because after his resurrection, Luke tells us that Jesus showed himself Santa, a lie to the apostles with many infallible proofs. What Aristotle calls an Ancheon, Simeon, compelling sign. Most compelling proof. Tecmerios. Technical term for the most demonstrative and convincing proof. Turn with me to the book of Revelation, chapter 1 and verse 18. St. John tells this, when I saw him, I fell at his feet, as though dead. Then he placed his right hand on me and said, do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I was dead and behold, I am alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys of death and Hades. Do not be afraid, church. We have a Jesus Christ who is alive. And he holds the keys of death and hell. How come we are silent? Let me tell you why. We are afraid of the world, of the devil. But let us understand who our master is. Thomas himself doubted. He wanted to touch and he wanted to feel. He wanted to put his finger on his side and his nail prints. And he appeared to him and said, come on. And do it. And Thomas said, My Lord and my God. He showed himself alive to them. Their master truly has risen from the dead with a physical body. Look at him, touch him. He is not a ghost. He ate with him many times with them. He appeared to Peter, James, Mary, Magdalene, to the two disciples of Emmaus. To the seven apostles in Galilee, to the ten apostles in Jerusalem one time, to the eleven apostles two times, for the women at the tomb, to the five hundred at one time in Galilee. He showed himself to his apostles regularly for forty days since the Easter Sunday, because they must bear witness to the resurrection of Jesus Christ upon which fact Christianity rests. The one who destroyed death by his death 
and the one who was raised from the dead, the Lord of the universe. The resurrection of Christ proves that Jesus is God, that he is truth, that all his teachings are true, that all his promises are true, that all his threatenings are true, that he is the Lord of the universe, that his promises of the future are true, that he's going to come again as the judge of the world, that he has accomplished redemption, that Jesus is the Christ of the Old Testament, that everyone who repents and believes on him will receive forgiveness of all his sins, and he will receive eternal life. Without the person and work of Jesus, our master, there is no salvation. This master took the apostles to the Mount of Olives at the end of 40 days of his teaching concerning the kingdom of God. And you know, he blessed them. And while they were watching, the father received him. Jesus was taken up, meaning the Father received him into the heavens. Now Jesus had spoken this ascension before. Read the book of John. It says, what if you see the Son of Man ascend to where he was before? He told us that he was going to the Father. The cloud of Shekinah glory enveloped him and removed him from their sight. What do you think that cloud was? That cloud was the manifestation of divine presence. It symbolized the father's embrace of his son who pleased him by accomplishing the work of redemption for our salvation. It was a great embrace. The apostles were eyewitnesses of these things. Resurrection and ascension. Who is our master? Understand who our master is. He's the one who died on the cross for our sins. He's the one who was raised from the dead and destroyed death for us. He's the one who defeated the world and Satan and devils and every power that is against us. One little word shall fell him and that word is Jesus Christ. He's the glorious Lord Jesus Christ. That's what his brother said. James chapter 2 and verse 1, he calls his brother, our glorious Lord Jesus Christ. Glorious Lord Jesus Christ who gave convincing proofs to his apostles and therefore to us of his resurrection. He is the one received up to heaven by the Father. He is seated on the throne at the Father's right hand as the Lord of the universe. To him belongs all authority in heaven and on earth, brothers and sisters. Then how come we are silent? Are we ashamed of this Christ to whom belongs all authority? He so declared. 
He is our great high priest, always interceding for us. He is the one who received the Holy Spirit, another comforter, and sent him to us as our counselor and our guide and our Lord. This master, let me tell you, is the judge of all the earth and who is coming again. So declared, Jesus himself declared, and then we notice the two angels reminding that this one is coming again. The master mandated. Second look at the messengers, the missionaries. Who are these messengers? Who are these apostles? Who are these missionaries? They are those whom Luke says that Jesus chose. The master had chosen these. He loved them. He chose them. They were, let me tell you, Galileans. Remember, the angels' words, you men of Galilee. All 11 of them. One was from someplace else, happened to be Judas, who killed himself. They were Galileans. Others looked down upon them. They did not come from Jerusalem. They were not the cultivated and powerful and cultured. But God loved them and chose them. They were weak and undependable. Look at Peter, the poor fisherman. He said, depart from me, Lord, I am a sinful man. He rebuked Jesus for saying that he might die for our salvation on the cross. He slept when he should have engaged in serious prayer. Above all, he denied the Lord three times and ran away when Jesus was crucified. Yet the master loved him and them and chose him and them to be missionaries. He chose them as his messengers to declare to all nations repentance and forgiveness of sins in the name of Jesus Christ, the risen Lord. To declare that salvation is found in no one else. You want to know? Who these people were. Let's turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. One more time. We read this several times. We must read this several times. To keep us. In reality that we are nothing. We are the Galileans. Whom God in his mercy. Has chosen. To bear his glorious name. Brothers. Think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. He chose the lowly things of the world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him. Let's praise God because he chose us the nobodies and the nothings and the Galileans to bear his glorious name and to be ambassadors of Jesus Christ.
to a dark world. He chose them. If he chose them, let me tell you, he would qualify them and make them competent and strong to stand before the devil and before the world. Fear not, I was dead, but I'm alive forevermore. And I hold the keys of hell and Hades and death in my hand and seated as the sovereign Lord of the universe. And he's the one who is addressing you through his servants. It is time that we repented and we bent our knees before Christ Jesus and acknowledge him as Savior and Lord. And let me guarantee you that he will forgive us all of our sins. You have been listening to Grace and Glory with Pastor P.G. Matthew. This has been part one of Mandate of the Master. Join us next week for part two. You can receive a free transcript of today's program or a cassette for $3. You might want to get a pen and write down our address and phone number. If you're interested in one of our recent series, just call us now at 530-756-5255. We're available to take your call. That's 530-756-5255. Or you can write us at Grace and Glory, 27173 County Road 98, Davis, California, 95616. If you're right, be sure to include the date and subject of the requested program. We invite you web users out there to log on to our website at www.gracevalley.org. If you have sound capability, you can listen to this broadcast on our website. It's available 24 hours a day worldwide. We really enjoy hearing from our listeners. Please write us to let us know how you have benefited from this ministry. And if you've enjoyed the ministry of Pastor Matthew, come visit us at Grace Valley Christian Center. Sunday worship services are 10 a.m. and 6 p.m. with Sunday school at 9 a.m. Wednesday evening Bible study is at 7 p.m. A Bible study for international students is Monday evening at 7 p.m. Call for details. Grace Valley Christian Center also offers nursery services, children's Sunday school programs, junior and senior high youth groups, and a college ministry. Visit us this week. We're on Pedrick Road, just south of Russell Boulevard in West Davis. From Sacramento or the Bay Area, take I-80 to Pedrick Road. Travel north on Pedrick Road four miles, and Grace Valley Christian Center is on the right-hand side. Pastor Matthew is currently teaching a series on the book of Acts during Sunday morning services at 10 a.m. We remind you that this is a listener-supported program. If the Holy Spirit prompts you to give to this program, we welcome your support. Join us next week at the same time for another segment of Grace and Glory, Biblical Teachings of the Christian Faith with Pastor P.G. Matthew. Don't forget to write and be sure to tune in next week.